Good afternoon and thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting business, the law and news show lined up for you this week. Uh, A bit later on the program, we'll have a look at our Harvard Business Review tip. Which skill do you want to develop next? And we may or may not be chatting with Christina on innovation today because she's out in a rural area somewhere and... uh, the mobile coverage is not very good, but we'll see how we go there. But we will have a chat with Tony Vidre, a chartered accountant, uh, with regards to taxation. Good afternoon, Tony. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So my question, first of all, is where's my tax cut? It's coming, apparently. It's coming. So um, I, I actually I left it to the very, very last second just listening to Michael Bublé singing there, and I thought I'll just Google where the government's up to with um, passing this tax cut. And as of 39 minutes ago, um, it, looks like it's, it looks like it's actually, yeah, it got through the um, the House of Representatives and, and it, um, it went to the, the Senate and it looks like it will pass the Senate. So I'm just reading here, the Senate crossbenchers Jackie Lambie and the Senate Alliance have com- uh, confirmed their support um, clearing the path for the, uh, for the new laws, which mm. um, Corey Badati has long supported. So... So just to recap, there was there are a, a whole stack of tax cuts that the um, government are trying to get through. The Labor Party have agreed with, in, um, with two of them, but not the long-term one, the one that's outside of the four years, mm. which essentially flattens everyone's tax rate up to 200000 to 32%. They've been staunchly opposed um, to that, um, but looks like the government have now got the um, support of the... Um, of the independents and the crossbenchers, so uh, that may actually get through as of 13 or 40 minutes ago now. So, so <laughs> the tax as cuts as take, as a, take effect for the nine, uh, 2019 2020 year? No, no. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's no, not quite. This is where it got a little bit complicated because um, in the budget um, that was announced back in May, they actually announced a tax cut. Um, or Well, it's an offset, and I've got to explain what an offset is, too, so I'll come back to that in a moment. So there was an offset in place for $530, but in the budget for May, they actually extended it um, to $1,080 for those people earning up to 126000 and it will actually apply for the June 19 tax return. Okay. So, so people's refunds should actually be a little bit higher because... Um, you know, ta- um, if you work for someone, they would have been taking tax out based on you know, what they knew back at July mm. 18. So mm. they've, they've actually had a little bit too much tax taken out. Now, an offset is, is an offset. It's not an actual refund. You have to actually pay tax first. You have to actually be taxable um, to be entitled to get the offset. So, uh, yeah, it looks like that'll pass. Because as of, as of only last week, our software people... Um, or a lot of the software people were putting questions in the tax return to say, have the government's um, tax cuts been delivered um, yet, yes or no? Um, and if the answer is no, it would calculate the old oh, offset. Right. And, the, and, and this is what I was going to talk to you about today, was the, tax, the ATO have actually committed um, that if this did not pass... Um, legislation in time, they are, they are automatically going to go back and amend people's returns to give them the new higher um, right. offset. So here mm-hmm. we are, it's only the 4th of July, so hopefully all that will get through. So as people start lodging returns, unless you've been a really, really early lodger, which according to Civil Touch Payroll, I don't think you will be, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. Yeah, um, yeah so I don't think yeah, the government's had a, got, a, got a little bit of a backlog on it at the moment. Yeah. Um, with it, so I don't think a lot of people will have lodged their returns um, already. So yeah, automatically you should get the um, the high tax um, offset if you're earning up to one hundred and twenty six thousand. 
So uh, we, you just mentioned single touch payroll, and four days ago uh, it came into effect for uh, smaller businesses down and up to nineteen as well. Um, and you've got Correct. a few challenges with it. Yeah, or, well, that's exactly exactly right. You know, these these lovely systems that are, are dreamed up by governments they they never really think through all of the uh, the headaches and all of the the practicalities of it. So yeah, so small business. Um, was supposed to have jumped in as of Monday, as of this week. So any pay that's done, um, you know, across Australia, the only exemption now that sits for those, if you've got under four employees and their family members closely held, um, if you if you've got an arm's length employee, um, you need to start reporting as you as you pay the person. You need software enabled that will actually report the details of the pay um, to the tax office um, in real time. Now. Going back 12 months ago, all of those employers who had 20 or more employees, they had to jump into the system and they had to report every single time um, they um, they paid someone. Now, so what's been happening in the last week or two is all of these large companies have, um, have, have sort of scratched their heads and thought, well, what do we now do about it? actually issuing um, payment summaries? And it, it, it's a little bit of a change process now because you now don't actually give out payment summaries to all of your employees. Now, I notice that some employers are still going to give them um, details of the pay, but the way the system is, is supposed to work is that once you've reconciled um, all of your wages for the year under 30th of June 19, you actually notify the tax office that, yep, the pays, or well, they're all correct, and they lock those figures down. And once they're locked down, all of the details will appear in each employee's MyGov account and it'll actually change colour on their MyGov account. So rather than being, you know, in pending phase, it's now locked down. And mm. from that moment on, you can actually um, lodge your um, tax returns if those people you know, choose to lodge through MyGov. So even in the last four days, if your employer has not done that whole process, you have not been able to lodge your return in MyGov because it just doesn't allow you until... Yeah. Um, got until those wage details are correct. So, now, so that, re- that replaces the old group certificates? Correct, yeah. yeah. Group certificates became payment summaries. Um, payment summaries, well, they're still called payment summaries now, but you won't actually physically get an email or a piece of paper anymore. So some employers are still doing that, and I think it's good practice to so still, to still yeah. do that. Yeah, but, but the challenges in trying to, <laughs> in trying to get the, uh, the payroll reconciled, so my staff have been helping out and a, a few bookkeepers have been tearing their hair out. I'm hearing some interesting stories in the last um, week or two, and that is that it's, it's a bit of a challenge trying to work out what has actually been reported compared to, you know, what's in the payroll system. So some of the challenges my staff have told me about is that they've gone onto the ATR website, they've gone onto ABC Proprietary Limited, it's got 30 employees, they can see, you know, the final pay that was reported in June, and sure enough, it doesn't agree. <laughs> yeah. It does not agree to, to the payroll reports. And one of the reasons it doesn't agree is that if you jumped in partway through the year, for example, say if you jumped in you know, September 18 instead of July 18, and you started to report from July 18, it, even that single-touch payroll is quite quirky in that the very first pay that you report, it picks up all the year-to-date figures. So mm. you don't have to go back, and this is a, a challenge that I, I couldn't get my head around in the early days. I thought, well, what happens if you jump in? How do you actually report all the previous pays? No, it's clever enough to pick up the year-to-date amount. But the challenge is if you've got someone who was terminated or resigned in, say, August, well, that person's not part of the pay run in September in that example. Mm. So a lot of people who were 
they were terminated. They're not part of the, they're not part of the pay run. So, you know, you have to put this sort of dummy pay through at the very end of the year so that it picks up the year to date figures for those people. Um, and one really, really irritating thing that has come up in in that is um, reportable um, employer contributions for super. So if you've got an employee that salary sacrificed partway through the year, under the old way, when you're doing payment summaries, you could just enter the amount that was salary sacrificed. You had a salary sac- sacrifice ten thousand dollars of their own money into uh, into super. super. Well, under single touch payroll, you can't do that. You actually have to go back and reprocess the pays so that the reportable super is actually reported in within the Experience. within the pay run. Now, the, and again, the problem with all of this is one of my staff is telling me that every time she was trying to update the pays for a particular client, she had to wait about 40, 45 minutes for the tax office to update their systems, right? Because there'd be tens of thousands of people trying to, <laughs> trying oh, to update them all at the same time. We're all doing this all at the same time. So she had to wait, you know, 40 minutes to see what updated information the ATO had to then compare it. So it's been a very, very frustrating and interesting process. uh, Our time's up now, but it sounds like something we're going to continue next month when uh, all the small businesses start jumping in on it as well. Well, remind me next next month to talk to you about um, Zero and a little bit of a, uh, a a public relations disaster that they've had in the last uh, week in relation to single touch power. We'll talk about that next month. Will do. Thanks for your time. Okay. Thanks, Julian. Thank you. Bye bye. Tony Vidray there with uh, some challenges we've got with uh, single touch payroll. So uh, be interesting to see how that can pans out. You're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM and we've un- one of the people we did need was uh, Christina but uh, she's not answering her phone. She's stuck out in the wild somewhere where there's no coverage. So we're going to have a quick look at chatbots. Chatbots, what are, what are they and uh, are they useful or not? Well, um, this information is taken from an interesting article inside Small Business. And it says there, rapid changes to technology means solutions that used to be only available for enterprises are now becoming accessible for small businesses too. This is a trend we're seeing with chatbots, which today can be one of the smartest investments a small business can make. And according to Deloitte's Mobile Consumer Survey of 2017, 88% of Australians own a smartphone, which may be using them, they may be using to make online purchases. As consumer preferences continue to shift towards mobile platforms, it makes sense for a small business to implement technologies that can service this demand, which is one of these, is a chatbot. So first question is, what is a chatbot? Well, chatbot is a virtual assistant. And uh, you've often seen it when it comes up and basically there's a question that says, what can I help you with? And then starts to, uh, you start talking to this uh, artificial intelligence. So uh, if is it worth investing as a small, a small business into this sort of technology? We need to answer a few questions. First one is, why would you want one? Um, and there are many ben- benefits to using chatbots for providing cost-effective always-on customer service to creating efficiency by automating simple tasks to marketing towards a broader base. Um, And so there's a couple of types of chatbots. There's the artificial intelligence or command-based. Chatbots based on artificial intelligence are more intuitive than traditional chatbot models and can answer 
complex questions and incomplete statements, whereas command-based chatbots have a set of responses to certain questions. And although they're not as smart as artificial intelligence chatbots, they can certainly perform routine tasks for simple and frequent requests. So the next question would be, how much power will you give to a chatbot? Well, it depends on the customer. Uh, Chatbots can be programmed direct to the customer to their desired product. But like a human sales team, they can also be empowered to upsell or cross-promote. So would you want to develop your own app? Leveraging existing apps can be useful and cost-effective, yet recent data security breaches have made customers and businesses alike uh, a lot more uh, aware of cyber security. As a result, many businesses are integrating chatbots with their own proprietary systems. So there is a cost involved, obviously. And what is your brand personality? Finally, the best type of chatbots when customers are unaware they're interacting with a human. To achieve this, the automated communication needs to be natural, seamless and believable. So that's just a quick overview of chatbots. They're going to become more and more used. You're going to see uh, certainly uh, a big move towards that. Um, And... uh, Predictions are that some forms of artificial intelligence automation will manage 85% of business customer relations by next year. So certainly it's something we want to investigate and have a think about. Time for one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one, which skill do you want to develop next? Success requires continual growth and learning. But how do you know which development efforts will yield the best return? Well, first, look for the overlap between what your organisation needs and what will give you the most satisfaction. If you're in operations, you might identify several business critical areas for improvement, say learning to better manage large custom client projects in order to significantly reduce cycle and delivery times. Next, think about whether you can excel at the capabilities you want to develop. If you're already well, very organised, that body's well for being able to learn complex project management. Finally, honestly assess how interested you are in the capabilities. The key is to focus on skills that will propel your organisation forward, play to your strengths and keep your passionate about learning. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at uh, those tax cuts and particularly the effect of single-touch payroll and What are those chatbots? Next week, we're going to talk about preparing your business for sale. We'll have a minute on innovation with Christina and we'll have some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Socrates once said, the secret of change is to focus on your energy, not fighting the old, but on building the new. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.